0: To another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast. Here's your guest host, our very own social media maven, Mackenzie Passiger. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Exploring Washington State. I am your guest host this week, Mackenzie. Today, I'm sitting down with Dina and Chris, the owners, founders, and the two ladies behind Botanical Bee Apothecary Skincare. They're based out of Spokane, Washington, and I have personally used their products in the past and absolutely love them. I just wanted to remind everybody listening before we jump in with the podcast that um, we really appreciate it when you guys subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and when you leave us a review. It makes a huge difference for us as a a team, and we hope to see you guys doing that in the future. Thank you. Let's get started. All right, guys. Welcome. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves?
1: Um, I'm Dina Seller, founder of Botanical Bee Apothecary.
2: And I'm Chris. I'm her daughter and business partner.
0: So how long have you guys actually been doing this? Because you mentioned before that you recently launched this business in the COVID times. So how many months have you guys been doing this now? So
1: we officially launched, I think, end of February, end of February. So not even a year 2020. We did kind of a soft launch. We started, um, November of 2019, just kind of like sending out samples and, you know, getting feedback, um, on our products and, and trying to do labels and source ingredients and containers and all that. And then it took us till February of 2020 to actually get everything done. It was a lot of work.
0: How long have you guys been playing around with the idea of doing a skincare line?
1: Oh gosh. So, I mean, really this dates back to years, years, 15, 20 years that I've been doing it, but just for myself personally, um, and then started making it for people at work and friends and family, um, just got all sorts of really good feedback. And it was actually two things that catapulted us into doing this. It was, um, Chris's ongoing acne issue. Mm -hmm. Um, when I realized how harsh what she was using, um, was on her face, it was actually bleaching her sheets. And when I, found that out, I was like, Oh no, (laughs) we're, we have to be better. And then really it was, it was my husband who, you know, really pushed us to do this because, you know, I was nervous about doing it. Um, my background's actually in sustainability and I had a corporate job for MGM resorts international doing sustainability And he's, you know, when we moved up here, he just said, why don't, why don't you start this business? Like you and Chris can do this. We talked about doing a family business for years and years, but not this in particular. Um, and then just really kind of pushed me off the edge of the pool Mm -hmm. and it was sink or swim. So,
0: wow. I mean, I, I also suffer from adult acne and I've done rounds of Accutane and also have used the really harsh stuff where you cannot use a black pillowcase at night because you right. will wake up with the bleach spots.
2: Or you have to be careful about wearing sunscreen all the time or because you're susceptible to extra burning. And I mean, I, exactly. I, did, I did Accutane twice, which in itself is scary because I, I think it got discontinued and then brought back.
0: Like it's, not, yeah, they've it's, had issues with it.
2: Yes, lots of issues. And I remember doing lots of tests and psychological exams and um, because they worried about the side effects. And that was scary. And it worked for a while, but then it caused other issues, lots of scarring. I became addicted to chapsticks and lip balms because my lips were always so dry. And um, I mean, I struggled with that, gosh, since I was 15 yeah. and I'm 35 yeah. now. And I, like, 20 years of acne is enough. I'm over it. So,
0: and you're just, preaching to the choir, <laughs>
2: yeah. you know, and putting that harsh stuff on your skin is bad enough. But then I had kids and now that Normal. stuff is going on their faces. You know, when you smush your face up to theirs, I didn't want that stuff on my
0: babies. No, it makes you really kind of think about what you're putting into your own body. Yes. So, but you, so you've been making your own skincare for yourself for 15 to 20 years. Yes. Never sharing. How did that come up so, for you?
1: So it's funny. Um, I grew up, my mom was, I like to call her a hippie who didn't know she was a hippie, <laughs> but my husband is like, she really wasn't. She just came from that kind of grapes of wrath era. Like you use everything you have, you make it yourself. Cause it's less expensive and then you know the non toxic was also part of it so i i grew up that way like um my mom made her own yogurt and her own cleaners that's where grandma gwenny comes from um super conscientious about health and well-being so um as i you know i was always pretty conscious about what i put in my body and then as i got into my 30s i was like started getting really conscientious about what i put in my body and then you know, had the epiphany one day of something that we all know that our, our skin is our largest organ and that what goes on our skin goes in our skin. But one day I was reading something and it really hit me. And I thought, wow, I'm, I'm being so conscientious and spending so much money on what I put in my body, but I'm not really, I don't pay attention to what I put on my body. And I started reading labels and I was like, I just, I, I can't, do this anymore so I started buying really expensive you know quote-unquote natural products and then reading their ingredients and I'm like but they're still preservatives there's still things I don't I can't pronounce and then I would cross-reference those ingredients and be horrified you know they're endocrine disruptors or they can cause allergies or all sorts of other things and so um, pretty quickly my philosophy became if I can't eat it I won't put it on my skin and that's that's what this company is all about. You might not want to eat the product, but, but you, you could. could.
0: <laughs> yeah. If like worse came to worse, you could eat your moisturizer. Right.
1: right. Cause you know, you it's coconut butter in there. Right. <laughs> or,
2: you know, I use the body polish on my lips as like a lip scrub or whatever. And you lick that like without even, you know, sugar. So you, you're like, Oh no, but you can't can. eat it. It's okay. You can't
0: <laughs> eat it. Yeah. I was reading something earlier because I'm very interested in skincare. It's always been with my acne. It's always been something I'm interested in. And my aunt is an esthetician, so obviously she's very much into skincare. Um, And I found out that there's actually like no rule, like any brand could put all natural on their product because no one's regulating it. Yes, there's. And I feel like that could be a gimmick for a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. because people do want all natural skincare and see that just on the label and they think, Oh, okay. Without even reading the ingredients. Right.
1: And that being from the sustainability industry, that's called greenwashing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, you know, you, you say it, you advertise it and that becomes what it is. People believe it. And it's not, it's not true.
2: Well, and I mean, I even while, starting this business with my mom, I would fall for it too, because my youngest has um, eczema pretty bad, at least when he was a baby, he's hopefully growing out of it. But, um, you know, I, I, your initial reaction is to go to the store and buy something for eczema. And so I was doing that and mom would come over and be like, what are you putting on my grandson? And we would read the labels. And of course I can't pronounce them, but I think that's just, you know, because I don't know how to read these fancy labels. And she's like, no, like this does this and this does this. She's like, stop putting this on my grandson. Like I will make you something specifically for him. And so, I mean, I even found out that these things, you know, that I thought were natural and good for my son we're not like they're causing all sorts of issues or could potentially cause all sorts of issues for him.
0: Right. So going into that, what was the first product that you guys officially made for your brand? Oh,
2: I think, well, first we did just mainly for family and friends. We did holiday packages, um, Mm -hmm. Christmas, but that was just the body whips and body polishes.
1: But like the original, products that I was making for myself that then translated to the company would have been cleansing oil and the eye serum.
0: Okay. And, the and what's again. the newest product that you guys have made?
1: Oh, the newest? our newest is probably Betelade, oh, yeah. which is our full body moisturizer. Um, and then we're getting ready to come out with a muscle salve.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: for aches and pains and sore muscles, mm-hmm. joints,
0: things like that. Okay. That makes sense. Um, along the way of like deciding to launch this business and officially do this together, did you guys take any courses to learn how to, how to make products or is this all self-taught because you've been doing it for so long for yourself and friends?
1: Yeah. All self-taught. Um, there's really no accredited, college or school for skincare. I mean, there's a lot of people, you know, you can find online classes, but they're not accredited. And, um, you know, when I first thought about getting into this business, I, you know, your initial reaction is to think you have to take some class or get some certification. And so I started researching it. And as I'm reading the description of these classes, I'm, I'm thinking, I already know how to do what they're talking about because, you know, I mean, this is really is my passion. And so I, I read about this stuff for fun at night. Like while my husband is on Facebook messing around, I'm like researching herbs or, you know, different oils and what they do and what they're good for. Constantly
2: researching this stuff.
1: And there's just, there's so much, I mean, the great thing about the internet is there's so much information out there, good and bad. Right. Um, So you, you, you have to know what you're doing first, but then, you know, there's blogs and YouTubes and, um, but I found that really, you know, I already knew what I needed to know.
0: That's amazing. Just from doing it all those years, you get a feeling of what's right, what's going to work, what's not going to work.
1: I think you have to have really have a passion, right? Because the passion is what drives you to go down the rabbit holes. Because like I said, there's so much information out there and you can really find whatever you want to find on the internet. If you want something, to, if you want to think something's good, you can find a source that says it's good. But when you really go down the rabbit hole and look at both sides of the sources, one that's saying it's good and one that's not good, and you're like, okay, well, why isn't that good? You know, why are expeller, you know, pressed oils, why is cold press better than expeller or, you know, what's wrong with hexane in your, you know, in the processing of oils and you go down those rabbit holes, you really have to, I mean, it gets crazy. It's deep.
0: And I can't even
1: imagine (laughs) (laughs) once you start going down those, you know, for me, that's, that's where I geek out because I get really excited by that. Like I, I want to find the opposite of, of whatever it is I think. And I want to dig really, really deep. And so I, what I really look for, um, are articles that are written by, by colleges or sources that are really like referenced and cross-referenced and
0: so reputable sources. Yeah.
2: She does her research correctly. She doesn't use, you know, Wikipedia or my, that's one thing my dad has taught us is how to fact check and find the credible sources. And so everything that she finds, like, she's not kidding. She goes down a rabbit <laughs> hole and she will spend hours on one thing and make sure, you know, cause I'll Google things all the time. I'm like, well, mom, it says this. And she's like, where are you getting this information? Like that is crap information. Like go down here and look here. So she's, she's definitely the digger on that. And she finds all the good sources.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that's especially important when you're making something for someone else's skin to look at both sides, because like you said, on the internet, you can find anything to fit your narrative.
1: Mm -hmm. You
0: know, if you want something to be true, you'll find something, but then to turn around and look for something that's saying that's not good. And putting that together, I think that's really important. Mm
1: -hmm. And if I don't find that the the other side of that, that's great, right? Because that just
0: means I was... It just proved your point, yeah. (laughs) So do you guys... You guys are out in Spokane on a farm, if I'm not mistaken. Does production take place... Like, are you guys running the whole production?
1: Yes.
2: Like, making each item? It's just us two. She actually does most of the making, I... I'm more behind the scenes myself, but
1: yeah, and everything takes place. Um, we have a dedicated studio set up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a huge room that you can kind of see behind us, um, a huge room that's dedicated just to BBA. Um, so everything is always, you know, sterile and mm-hmm. um, nothing else sure. <laughs> in the room. Um, right. We do everything on the farm, including grow a lot of the herbs that we use in our infusions.
0: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Okay. It does not get more local than that. (laughs) Sustainable, quite frankly.
1: Right. And you know what really, you know, we have this property and initially I just wanted to do it for fun, for fun, just, you know, to say, oh, we grew our own stuff. And then as I was growing it and drying it and comparing it to the herbs that I was buying, which I'm super picky about where I source my products and, you know, I like them to be as local as possible and as fresh as possible, but I'm looking at what I just did and what I bought and it's, it's night and day. I mean, yeah, you
2: can't even compare them. We should have shown you, but we, I mean, we'll have to show you a picture, but you compare her chamomile to the chamomile that you buy. And even though it's the best of the best, there's no comparison. Like you can't even tell that the store bought is chamomile really, whereas hers looks like a dried flower. Like it's beautiful.
1: Well, and you can't really—you don't know how old some of those things you're buying is, and you know what I do know is the herbs that I'm using in the infusions right now, like to make the beetle aid right now, were grown this summer, this past summer,
0: right. And so I know we re- we recently bought a property as well, and my first goal was to get the backyard in order so that we could start um, growing our own vegetables, and. When we moved in, there was a plum tree that we've unfortunately since had to remove. And normally I don't like plums at all. Um, my kids were eating them like off the ground, like they could not get enough of it. And finally I thought, okay, I'll try, I'll try one of these plums. And it was that first moment in my adult life going, wow, it really does just taste better when it's grown in your backyard. Yes.
1: Yes that aha moment, right?
0: That, yeah, it just clicks in your head because like you said, you don't know how old the products or ingredients are that you're buying from the store. Right. So that's pretty cool. So do you guys do like, are you able to do big batches of your product or do they have a shorter shelf life? Meaning that you have to do smaller batches and then how does that work for you guys?
1: So, I mean, you really have to know your oils first thing, right? Um, and, and their longevity. Um, most of our products will have a shelf life of a year or two. Um, and what I mean by when I say you have to know your oils is some oils need to be kept cold while others can be kept at room temperature. <clears throat> so we're super conscientious about how we treat our oils. And store them. And store them. Um, and we, we can make big batches. Um, I like for our products to be as fresh as possible. And so um, I try not to keep too much on the shelf, but also you have to have it ready and available to ship out. You know, we try to ship the same day or next day. And so it's
0: it's, finding that sweet spot then
1: definitely Mm -hmm. a balancing act, you know, not having too much, but we definitely have the capacity to do larger. Mm
0: -hmm. So when you guys are thinking about making a new product, a new item, what is the step-by-step look like for you guys? Do you find like a problem area like the under eyes are dark so let's make an under eye cream or oil and then how do you how do you go from the the initial idea to the execution of the product
1: yeah, that's actually really fun. So, well, fun, tedious, and sometimes really frustrating because sometimes <laughs> you're back to the drawing board when you're 10 steps in and you think you've got it and then something happens and you have to go back to step one. Um, but what we typically do, um, tons and tons and tons of research, and then you make your your prototype. Um, we try everything in-house first. We try it. We remake it. We try it again. Once we think that we have it, then we have beta testers um, who, you know, were first family and friends and have now like expanded beyond that because people will hear that and say, I want to be a beta tester. And so yeah. we'll send products out to our beta testers, get feedback. Sometimes that means going back and tweaking things mm-hmm. or and start, starting over or starting over. And sometimes um, it means it's it's good the way it is or small tweaks, which is typically the way it is because yeah. we do some pretty intensive research and testing in-house.
2: We have a, a house full of human guinea pigs that yes. test all our products <laughs> from adults to children. So
0: it's very convenient. Yes. <laughs> yes.
1: And then once the beta testers approve, um, then we usually go into production. And um, that takes a while because um, until you know exactly what your ingredients are going to be, um, you know, you don't have labels made, mm-hmm. so it's a quite a long process. Actually, this, this, um, muscle, muscle salve has been a year in, in the process. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Part of that is <clears throat> we make, um, an oil, an infusion called balm of Gilead, which is from poplar buds, but that's one of the infusions you make when the, the product is fresh, not dried. And mm-hmm. it takes, the infusion takes about two months. And you can only get them when poplar buds are fresh and in season because they're unbloomed poplar buds. So, oh, wow. Yeah.
0: So you have to harvest them and make sure that you have enough of them to last the entire year of production, then.
2: Right. And then put them into the oil infusion, which itself takes months. And then use that oil infusion to make said product to test. <laughs> right.
0: So is there a reason that it takes exactly two months for it to infuse? That's, like, yeah. What's the, I mean, what's the science behind that, I suppose, is the better way to phrase that?
2: If you saw the poplar buds, I, I think that would help too. They're really hard, dense. And so I think part of that is, you know, in order to get all the goodness out of them, it takes a long time to penetrate that.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Plus plus any moisture that's in them has to evaporate. So you want to make sure you don't have any water in the product because that's, that's one of the things is once you put water in a product, you necessarily need a preservative.
0: Okay. Okay. That makes more sense now.
1: We don't use preservatives. That's like one of our statements tenants. And so.
0: Okay. So I do have another question that I'd like to ask because you guys sent me a few items um and one of them was the powdered mask yeah and i have never i love the mask but i have never seen a powdered form mask where you add the water in yourself right because it's actually an amazing idea because sometimes you only need to do a little bit and you want it to be a little bit thicker for certain areas a little bit thinner for other areas it just, it blew my mind i've never seen a powdered mask before <laughs>
1: Yeah, and it's funny because, I mean, I think sometimes, you know, we get in our own space where we use these products so much and for such a long period of time that when um, other people, when we when we put it out for other people, you know, we just expect them, I think, uh, you know, to know how to use it or why and forget that we really have to do the educational piece to it. Um, we forget that people don't know that you can
2: have that in powder form because you know, we, we haven't bought
1: mask at a store for right.
2: so long that I forget that it doesn't come like that for most people. And so people are like, wait, what, this
0: is a powder. Like, yeah, you're in your little bubble of, of yeah. skincare there. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> and so the reasoning behind that is, um, just what I, exactly what I said is once you add water to a product, you have to use a preservative, um, or you should. Um, and that is one of our tenets is to not use any preservatives and part of our mission. So, um, leaving it in a dried form and allowing the customer to mix it itself themselves. Not only do you not need a preservative, but like you said, you can mix as little or as much as you want and allows that the longevity of the product, right? It can last indefinitely. Um, because everything that I buy, I know how fresh it is. So it's fresh as it goes out to you. And then, I mean, it's in, it's in the powdered form. So
0: it's going to hold longer than any of my um, liquid masks, I think.
1: Yes. Yeah, for sure. You
0: notice those when you open it after like six months, if you haven't used all of it, you're like, kind of like, ooh, I don't know if I should still.
1: Right. Dip my mm. finger in that. Yeah. Yeah. I like. Ah. I feel like our customers definitely get a bigger bang for their buck because um, they're not buying water. With all of our products, you're not buying water. You're buying the oil, what? the butter, the clay, whatever it may be. You know, you're buying it concentrated basically that's
2: why Definitely. we our items are skincare concentrates because you know if we were to sell you that mask and add the water ourselves um, we could do that but you're going to get less product technically because you're you know right. you have to make room for that water and so that it's right. the same with the betelate if we were to add water to that and sell it as a you know quote-unquote lotion you know um we can stretch that farther and you would technically get less, but you're paying for the water and nobody wants to pay for water. Like that's silly.
0: It is in the grand scheme of things. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's so silly. And not only that, so there are natural preservatives, you know, but we don't trust them because there's nothing to, to prove that, um, you know, but I also reacted to a natural preservative. And so that was my hesitation on that is, you know, I thought I was using this, naturally preserved product. And my, my face like basically burned like a sunburn. Um, it went away after, you know, 30 minutes or so, but that just goes to show you that you just, you never know what's in your product. And so, um, yeah, you know, mom spends a lot of time sourcing her products and making sure that they're the best of the best and that nothing is going to react with your skin or, you know, everything is, is really good for your skin.
0: Yeah. No, I definitely noticed that because when you guys reached out um, to me last year, or late last year, um, I've used natural skincare products before, specifically makeup. And I went in it because I had realized a brand I was buying, um, their ethics didn't align with my personal ethics. And I thought, okay, I'm going to stop p- purchasing from them. I'll try something new. And so I tried a natural makeup skincare product line and I had an allergic reaction on my eyes from the eyeshadow, and I was I was very panicked about it um and so I stopped using it and went back to my normal makeup and so I was a little bit nervous to to try another natural brand because I thought oh no what if my skin reacts again (laughs) right flashbacks um But your guys' stuff, especially like that green tea moisturizer and the cleansing oil, they were so gentle and it got the job done. That was the thing that blew my mind about the oil. Like it got all of my makeup off.
2: Mm -hmm. And it really does. It gets it all off and it does penetrate your pores and gets everything out with, you know, and like you said, you have acne prone skin. And so when mom first approached me about using oil cleansing on my skin, I freaked out. I was like there's no chance I'm putting oil on my acne prone skin. Like you're out of your mind. And it I would never go back. I will never go back to one of those store bought foaming, you know, cleansers or acne medications because oil cleansing balanced my skin. It completely changed my
1: skin for the
0: better. Yeah, it'll it'll change your life, quite frankly.
1: Yes, I, I agree too. Well, and I think we're all taught from a young age that squeaky clean means clean, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning like yeah. when we strip all the oil from our hair, we strip all the oil from our skin, it's clean. And that's not necessarily true. You're, you're kind of exacerbating your problems by doing that. So. Well, and you can make your skin overproduce by doing right. that. Exactly.
0: Yeah, I think the same with your hair as well. If you <laughs> wash it too often, your mm-hmm. hair is just going to get oilier and oilier.
1: Well, I feel like skin and hair, like life, want balance, right? They don't want yeah. it to be too dry. And so, what happens is when you strip all of the oil from your skin, your your skin is going to try to produce that oil to get it back, and then it over it can overproduce and cause the problem you're actually trying to alleviate. So,
0: yeah. Would you guys say that, I mean, because COVID, it's been going on for a year now, which is a significant amount of time. You guys have been in business for officially about a year now. Do you feel like in some way having the world kind of stop in its tracks a little bit has been beneficial to launching a brand? Do you think it's given you more time to focus on the brand?
1: Absolutely. Um, When we first launched... So it's the end of February. Literally, we're just really learning about COVID. Mm-hmm. People are losing their jobs overnight. And I kind of panicked and said to Chris and, you know, my husband, I'm like, oh my God, like, how, how can we start a business? How can we expect people to buy things when they don't have jobs, you know? And, and my husband, who's just really smart and my business coach, my coach <laughs> in all things in life and cheerleader and cheerleader. You know, said, why don't you just, why don't you just take a step back and just get your feet under you and, you know, still go, go forward with your Instagram, like get your, get your brand feet under you. And that in some ways was the best thing that could happen to us because I feel like we were really able to solidify our brand, um, our Instagram presence um, in a way that we wouldn't have been if, you know, we started selling products, things were flying off the shelf, you know. We, it, it allowed us time to really kind of ease into it, which I'm so appreciative for.
2: And to learn hindsight. I mean, social media, you know, is a, it's a newer thing. And so mom wasn't on it. She refused. So for her to get onto social media was a big step. But then, you know, if, if we were, you know, thrown into the thick of it right off the bat, you know, we wouldn't have had time to to teach her what she needed to know about social media and help her learn the ins and outs of it. And, and even myself, I mean, I've been on social media for years, but it's a beast. It's, it's a huge learning curve, especially for business. It's totally different than personal. You know, now you're trying to get people to follow you. Whereas before I didn't want people to follow me. (laughs) So now I want people to follow me, but I want the right people, and I want to get the right message out there, and you know you've got to learn how to use Facebook and Instagram for shopping and um you know, hashtags. I never hashtag
1: I thought that was a joke. I hated hashtags or' yeah. thinking about like how your wall is going to look as right. a whole versus like just one post right, right? how is it
2: building how-
0: the aesthetic of it, yeah.
2: And I mean, even if you go back and look at our Instagram, you'll you'll see our pictures have progressed. Like we're like, oh, that that was a horrible picture. <laughs> what were we thinking? Well, like,
1: horrible. no, not horrible. Good. But
2: you know, you, you grow, and so this has given us time to focus on, um, you know, what we want to to put out there and the feel we want you to get when you look at our wall or um, the vibe. You know, like you when you look at our wall, we want you to feel like, hey, that's BBA. And so it's given us time to do that.
0: I think that's really great because when you told me initially that you guys launched this during COVID, my first thought was, Oh, why? <laughs> why yeah. would you do that? I mean, it I mean, panicked me as a stranger.
1: Yes. Right.
0: I mean, we had done all the
1: back work. And so it was like, do you know, you're, you're, you're standing on the edge of the cliff,
0: do it or don't do it. Right. And so we just it's now started, or never. Yeah. We've
2: already done all the hard work.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. I think that in any situation, we always have to try to find the positive. And I do love seeing um, new businesses throughout this last year. They have had the time to just kind of take a step back. What do I want to do? What's my message going to be? And I think you guys do a really great job of getting that across to your audience on social media.
1: Oh, thank you. I mean, (laughs) another component of our business, like I said, is education. Because Mm -hmm. if people have never used an oil cleanser, for us, it's second nature. It's what we use. But, you know, you tend to forget that people might be hesitant or not understand the value in it, right? The value proposition. And so that allowed us some time to hopefully do some education.
0: Yeah. Well, and you guys also on your website, I just saw that today, actually, I was browsing it earlier. Um, You guys have like a list like telling people what kind of skincare, like when to use it down the line. I can't remember where I saw it. was under your blog. Oh well,
1: yeah. It's, it was, it's my, basically my connecting with
0: ritual. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that's amazing to have because there are so many different types of products out there. And if you're new into it, you're kind of like thrown off the deep end of, Ooh, what do I start with? What do I end with? What's in between? Is there anything in between?
2: Yeah. And that, I mean, like our full line is a great example of that is, you know, when to use what. And so we try to educate people on that. And we do have a YouTube channel, but it I've I've been working on that. So that's getting yeah, ready. To, yeah, that's getting ready to like fully launch where hopefully, you know, we'll do like weekly talks about things and some education points and some how to's and that that way people can go to it and be like, OK, I got this cleansing oil. How do I use it? What do I do? And why do I now
0: do- what? Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I can't wait to watch those videos. <laughs> no pressure. <That'll> fun. <laughs> no yeah, pressure. No. <laughs> There's never any pressure. <laughs> so when you guys in the normal times in Spokane, this is my final question for the two of you In normal times in Spokane, what is your favorite thing to do or place to go? Ooh,
1: that's a tough one. For me personally, my favorite thing and one of the reasons why we chose Spokane is um, kayaking. I'm a kayaking addict and the fact that I think they say there's um, 75 lakes within 45 minutes of Spokane or I forget what the exact statistic is. Some crazy number. But I love... It's a lot. I grew up in the desert, right? Where it's an hour drive to the lake to put your kayak in. And so being able to just, you know, say, hey, I have a break in my day and I'm going to drive down the road 10 or 15 minutes, throw my kayak in and paddle around for a couple of hours and then come back home. Um, for me, that's, that's one of my favorite things. What about you?
2: Uh, I, I'm a hiker. Uh, the kayak is still not my thing. it's not my jam yet. Uh, so I like that I can go just about anywhere and my kid can be, you know, off his leash and run amok and, you know, <laughs> he can go i
0: understand
2: explore and you know i especially like to hike to like waterfalls and things like that like and i just like to be in nature and reconnect and you can do that anywhere here i mean i can go out my parents back door and feel like i'm in nature and that was important to us
0: very cool. I think that is a nice thing that Spokane has to offer. You have the best of both worlds. You have the entire natural nature side of it. And equally, you still have a city where there is, you know, stuff going on.
1: Right. It's a yeah. nice balance. The beautiful river that runs through it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's a beautiful city. We love it. We're loving living here.
2: And the people are great. You know, they've accepted us as outsiders with open arms and, you know, the the local community, the... Um, You know, the small shops supporting other small shops, especially during COVID has been huge, you know, like there, there's no point in wishing failure on your competitors or other, you know, artistic people. Like we should all be there to support one another. And I feel like this community really does that, especially with COVID, everybody has rallied and the support has been awesome too.
1: Yeah. Good point. That's a great point. A lot of great Instagram connections, you know, a lot of new
2: friends that I've never even quite met in person yet.
0: (laughs) I think we all have that quite frankly at this moment, but it's nice knowing that there is that connection within your own community, even if it's online for at the moment.
2: Right. Exactly.
0: Thank you guys so much for being on. I will link everything in our show notes to your website and to your Instagram to check you guys out.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. We really appreciate it. And we, I had a great time. Yeah. Thank you so much.
0: Join us next time for another episode of the Exploring Washington State podcast.